Welcome everyone to the very latest episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Guys, do you remember those days when Arsenal fans used to sing, we've got Dennis Bergkamp, we've got Dennis Bergkamp. Well, we have got three fantastic guests on today. The first one we have got is Ray from City Fan TV. How are you doing, Ray? So whenever we win, I'm happy. But whenever we beat Liverpool, I'm 10 times as happy. Fantastic. We have also got king of the Kipax writer, Mr. Colin Savage, a.k.a. Prestwich Blue. How are you doing, Colin? Oh, I'm doing fine, thank you. We've not just got one king of the Kipax writer here. We've got another one, Emily, a.k.a. Kipax Girl Emily on Twitter. How are you doing? What have you been up to? I am really good, Mike. Really, really good. Loving the return of football, even though we can't be there. It's just... Uh, Oh, it's just too, it's good to be back, isn't it? You know, to be watching it again. It is fantastic. And City have got, oh, apart from a little blip against, the little the little blip against Chelsea, that was the only one. Everything else has been going pretty uh, smoothly. Um, and uh, let's kick off with the opening question, which I will aim um, at Colin Savage and then open it up to the others. Uh, Colin, what were your thoughts on the Guard of Honour before the game? And shouldn't the tainted champions really have been greeted with an avalanche of plastic bottles of Copperberg? <laughs> well, you obviously read my Twitter feed. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got to do the Guard of Honour, haven't you? They, they were champions. But I'm delighted to see that, that it was as half-hearted as it could have possibly have been. Uh, and, and Bernardo Silva, absolutely in, in kind of the space of 30 seconds, turned himself into an all-time City legend by refusing to clap, drinking his coffee, and then walking away before the uh, last Liverpool players had passed him. Yeah, I'm really pleased that it kind of happened like that because I do think it was all media hype in the end. I think the media were really trying to force this rivalry with Liverpool and everybody was just so full of anticipation when it came to the Guard of Honour. I know Liverpool fans who who were just rubbing their hands at the prospects of, oh, City have got to stand there and applaud us. And, and in the end, it really was a damp squib. And the Bernardo thing was just absolutely fantastic. Just stood there. <laughs> you know, people are saying that it's a lack of respect, but sometimes respect does work both ways. You've got to show them some respect. Um, you know, I think it's the, it's the done thing. Uh, to show them that that little bit of respect for for what they've achieved, they're the champions. Uh, other teams have done it for us, and uh, we've never said they shouldn't. So I, I think it's quite right and proper that we give this. Uh, I mean, it was it was a funny guard of honor because of the social distancing. It was like uh, parting of the Red Sea of honor because we were mild, the players were miles apart, uh, and and that little uh, rascal um, Bernardo Silva with, with his cheeky behaviour and. Um, it, I mean, it, look, as, as Colin said, it, it's it's uh, made him a, a, a prop. He was a proper fan favourite before, but it's even more, you know, he's engraved his, his name into our hearts uh, with, with that performance. And sometimes it's these little things uh, from players that you remember. If you remember Mario's wink at Rio Ferdinand, I mean, that for me was the moment of that, uh, was it the FA Cup semi-final? That for me was, and it was after the end of the game. And these little things endear players uh, to, uh, to fans. Uh, and it was good to see that someone showed them a little bit of disrespect. Here's a question from one of our listeners. Did this performance persuade you that there is less of a drastic rebuild needed for next season than we previously thought? Did it? Um, I 
do, I don't necessarily think we are in need of a massive overhaul. I do just think it's tweaking in a couple of positions. Um, obviously, I was really excited to see the names of Garcia and Foden starting the game, uh, whereas the vast majority of Twitter were more concerned with panicking about seeing Rodri and Gundogan playing together again. And the double pivot worked really well. I understand the fact that people were dubious because the stats don't lie. But they worked really, really well together. Um, I do think that, obviously, moving forward, Pep, and there's big questions over how he utilises the youth. Um, I'd love to see Foden start in every game next season or, you know, played a lot more in rotation. He's obviously proved that he's more than capable. He's at that level now where he just sits so comfortably amongst De Bruyne, Sterling, it's just like watching it's like he's been there his entire life he's just so comfortable and his confidence excites me I watch him play and I love how he thrives off his confidence so I don't necessarily think we do we are in need of a drastic rebuild um I was looking at the the left back position but Mendy played quite well so I was relieved with that I don't think we actually played at our absolute best um to be honest um you know, people are raving about Kevin De Bruyne, and he's a very special player, isn't he? He's got to be, you know, maybe even overtaking Ronaldo. Um, it's one of the best players in the world. But I've seen him play better. Uh, I've seen Sterling. Sterling had a great game. I've seen him play better. I think the, the difference was we were quite incisive this time. You know, we got three goals. And then almost we... We went back to our old ways. You know, we were throwing away chance after chance after chance. Early in the second half, I, I only had to listen. I was only able to listen to the first half on the radio because I was um, actually working until about nine o'clock at night. But uh, watch the second half. And early in the second half, we could have had three goals in, in about five minutes, uh, which we spurned. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was a good performance from us. Um, and I think we coped with Liverpool really well, uh, where we haven't done always done that in the past. Uh, particularly Anfield, we can play better. Um, I'm, I'm sure Liverpool could play better as well, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say that was about a seven and a half out of ten performance. Lined up like this, Ederson, Walker, Garcia, Laporte, Mendy, Rodrigo, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Foden, Jesus and Sterling. And our subs on the bench were Bravo, Stone, Zinchenko, Bernardo, David Silva, Maris, Cancelo, Otamendi and Tommy Doyle. Of course, no Aguero or Fernandinho, so there's no way that uh, Liverpool can say that this was a full-strength Man City team, but they put out their classic team, their Champions League winning team. Um, so it was a difficult uh, prospect, although um, people will know that City have won their past four home Premier League matches by an aggregate score of 14-0, to zero, so they couldn't really take anything for granted. Ray, getting started into the game, Liverpool looked... Uh, pretty lively in that first uh, 20 minutes. I mean, Salah bringing a save out of Ederson on four minutes, hitting the post on 19th. And one feature of that was Virgil van Dijk constantly trying long passes in behind Walker uh, to Mane. Now, in that first 20 minutes, how did you feel? And, and was there a sense of what was about to come? Well, obviously not, because uh, Liverpool were well in the game. Uh, I, I don't share uh, the panel's uh, um, optimism with how many tweaks are needed because um, looking at that first 20 minutes, Liverpool could have been out of sight and there's no getting away from that. The press was extremely powerful uh, and generally we were uh, managed to managing to evade them, but it was a, a tough press, which 
uh, elicits mistakes from a from a defence. But we were, I think, pretty resolute. But uh, I wouldn't call it a, a long pass. Uh, Virgil van Dijk's long balls, uh, you know, I mean, just a, a hit and hope sixty yard pass or fifty yard pass that goes near a, a player, uh, you know, one of your own players, isn't a long pass for me. It's just a long ball. There were some uh, long passes as well, and, and that did. Um, it did uh, show some of our um, frailties and vulnerabilities at the back. You know, Eric Garcia, uh, I think he needs these games. I, I th- and I, I was calling for him to play against Liverpool because then we can see what he's like against one of the best attacks in, let's be honest, world football at the moment um, with Salamani and Firmino. Uh, and I think he did creditably well, uh, under pressure at times, struggled occasionally, uh, but you are against you know uh, a fabulous attack. Um, so... You've got to take that uh, into consideration. We had some dodgy moments, like you said, at the back, uh, and that was worrying. Um, it was it was of a con- uh, concern to me. But I also noticed <laughs> that we had moments of our own. So it wasn't you know as if we were camped in our own half and Liverpool were on, on top of us and under, put us under pressure. That wasn't the case. But they certainly in that first twenty minutes give as good as they got. And we had our half chances on uh, through balls to Gabriel Jesus. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about his um, uh, affinity with the with being offside because he's he's just offside all the time, and, and you know that's one of the reasons I have a concern uh, why a, a fellow who's been with us for what's it two and a half three and a half years is still offside so often. Um, but look, it was it was a, a pretty even game, I think, in the first twenty minutes. I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest with you, going into the game, because we do have that air of unpredictability about us this season. Although after the restart, we have been really strong. And obviously the Chelsea game could have gone either way at one point. It was really on a knife edge. And, you know, I did think ultimately we were quite unlucky to lose that. So going into the Liverpool game, I really wasn't sure which way it was going to go. And I think that's exactly how I felt with the start. Um, I think we rode our luck at times. I think it's safe to say that. Um, And we saw some of those passes being misplaced and giving up possession quite easily. It's a little bit sloppy. And then obviously we rode our luck when they hit the post and and then the penalty came. And I think the difference was that we were just clinical, particularly in the first half we were clinical and We've not really seen enough of that this season or the past couple of seasons. Like Colin said, we were incisive. You know, once we did find our feet with the passing, the passing accuracy, the passing accuracy dramatically improved and we played our way through them like a knife through butter. But it was the clinical, the clinicalness that really stood out for me. And that's what made that massive difference. We, we showed that we can actually do it when we put our minds to it. Well, Colin, let's go on to the penalty uh, around about the 20-minute mark. And that was the start of quite a little battle between Sterling and Gomez. And uh, obviously, most people would agree Sterling uh, uh, came out on top. Um, They definitely have a little bit of form, but um, that uh, penalty incident was not a particularly controversial one, was it? Uh, No, I really don't think it was. I mean, I think... um... It it was kind of one of those Liverpool ones, wasn't it, where they, they feel a bit of contact and they go down, regardless of whether the contact's put them down or not. And I think that when Sterling actually went down, there probably wasn't that much that made him go down, but it was a penalty. You know, Gomez, it was like something out of WWE or something. Or it, You know, he had his hands all over him two or three, on two or three occasions. And he may not have 
He may not have physically dragged Sterling down to the ground, but it, it was a penalty. I mean, I don't, don't see how anyone could argue with it. And guess what, Ray? We now yeah. have a penalty taker. KDB um, stepped up to the plate. I and mean, I think some of us were calling for, for him to be taking penalties since uh, last season. He just uh, comes across as very supremely confident. This penalty was, I think, better than the, the last one he took. Uh, each time he sent the goalkeeper the wrong way with the eyes and the, and the shape of the body, which I, I, I particularly uh, enjoy. Um, and But this time, uh, better than the last one, he absolutely slammed it into the corner, opposite corner where, to where the goalie dived. And even if the goalie had dived the right way, you know he was not going to be saving that. So for me, that's about as perfect a penalty as you can get. I think we found a solution to the problem. And um, uh, just uh, back to Emily for this next point, um, something that Ray referred to earlier, and it concerns Gabriel Jesus. On the 28th minute, there's a sublime pass by KDB, Gabriel Jesus, and he, he really fluffed it. Uh, and... Um, uh, what makes this a little bit interesting uh, for me is I've been listening to our other uh, sister uh, podcasts and listened to Stefan on the 9320 uh, pod. And when he was asked about uh, transfers and changes that he believes should be done in the summer, he picked out Gabriel Jesus and says and says that um, the jury is no longer out on Jesus, that he's a flat track bully. Stefan reckons that Jesus should be sold and we should be looking to get in the uh, whoever is going to be the true heir to Sergio Aguero. Do you share those views? I, I he's he's clearly not the heir to Aguero's throne because who do you get to remotely replace Aguero? It's not Jesus. Um, but he frustrates me because he can be inconsistent. He hits his form. He's very much a form player. And when he hits his form, he flies. Um, the Real Madrid game, for example, for me, he was one of our, if not our best player on, on, on the night there. And he was just a joy to watch. He was just absolutely flying. So he does frustrate me because he is born offside. And you think by now he would be a little bit more conscientious to, and aware to control that. So it is frustrating to watch a striker kind of repeat the same mistake time and time again. And yeah, he should be finishing the, in, in that kind of a position as well. He's, you know, I, I am a fan of his, but I do have question marks over, you know, ultimately the, the long-term future at the club. But he's not, we, we need somebody to replace Aguero when Aguero goes, regardless of his uh, Jesus' future. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, Gabby J has uh, progressed, Ray? Yes and no. Um, I think some of the some of the games, like Emily said, to, uh, this season he's played really well. He scored some great goals. He's ha helped us and saved us at times. But I still see some of the the feelings of uh, a young man who isn't as as supremely confident uh, as uh, I, you'd 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 hope your centre forward to be. Now in, in this game, I I do remember three offside. Uh, decisions against him, where I think on each occasion, uh, if memory serves me correctly, he was miles offside. And in each uh, instance, he didn't need to be. I mean, I think a couple of them, Robertson, the left-back, was nowhere to be seen. Um, Virgil van Dijk was stepping up. And Gabby should have been able to look across the line. He didn't need to move early because the passes that were coming through were, were, were so sublime, so perfect. Um, and he would, even if he'd stayed two or three yards onside and then made the run, it been clear. Um, so that's frustrating. And one of them was he was offside and the ball wasn't played through and he just 
carried on running, asking for the ball, going sideways while still being offside. And he was like, Gabby, you're two or three yards onside. At that point, I was screaming at my screen for him to get back onside. Um, and then he had a couple of chances as well, which he fluffed. And you, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as Stefan and say, sell him. I mean, if someone comes and offers, offers 80 or 100 million pounds, uh, you know, bite the hand off. But for me, um, I like his industry. I like his hard work. Um, and I, I'd like him to play on the left uh, as well and have a, you know, if we are going to, and we have to get a new, uh, I think, a new centre forward um, this summer, then have a new centre forward because Sergio's obviously knocking on a bit. Um, and I'd have Gabby out on the left, but I think he's he's better than he was two years ago, but I, he hasn't developed in, in terms of that nice of being onside. And it doesn't look like his confidence is where it should be. And it should be sky high playing for this City team. And one of the reasons he has scored a fair number of goals is because City create so many chances and we we, we score so many goals. So, But he's got to do more and he's got to do more more often. Colin Savage, um, goal number two, 35th minute. Unfortunately, poor Joe Gomez Knight wasn't getting any better because he was bamboozled once again, again by uh, Sterling combining uh, with Foden. Lovely decoy run by uh, KDB to the right. Uh, what did you think of that one? Yeah, it was a uh, well. It was a lovely goal, wasn't it? And it was almost a, the goal that really sealed it, wasn't it? And Sterling took the ball. And I noticed on a match of the day, they were um, eulogising about the way he took the ball, the touch that took the ball inside Gomez and opened up the space for him to score. Uh, firstly, I thought at first sight that um, he'd he'd mis uh, miscontrolled it uh, and just got a bit lucky, well, which we know can happen with Sterling. Um, as good he good as he is, his ball control is not always great, but whether it was a brilliant piece of um, ball control or just a bit of luck, um, he made the space uh, inside Gomez to and took the ball away. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, and, of course, it was his... I think it's his first goal against Liverpool, isn't it? That was going to so, be... My, you, you anticipated my... Second. Yeah. Second, yeah. Second, yeah. Second, yeah. Second, yeah. First, was it the first Premier League goal, though? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Oh, you absolutely spoiled it there, Colin. I was going to put Emily on the spot and pop quiz her and say, what was unique about that particular goal? Yes, you're absolutely right. It was his second, but it was his first uh, Premier League goal. Um, uh, that was his ninth appearance against um, Liverpool uh, in the Premier League competition, but that was his first goal. And um, we weren't waiting very long, Ray, for... Number three on the 45th minute. Uh, these There are three guys here battling to be man of the match. There's Kevin De Bruyne, there's Phil Foden, there's Sterling and goal number three. Yeah, can I, just before that, can I just say it, it was it was uh, for the second goal, it was good that to Joe Gomez, I mean, he, he couldn't get close enough to Raheem uh, for that goal, uh, unlike the first one when he had his hands all over him. And I, I think uh, a few of us uh, did notice uh, he had his hands on Raheem's crown jewels. Uh, I don't know what all that was about uh, at one point. Uh, and, and this time, Joe Gomez opened his legs and uh, Raheem slipped uh, the ball straight through. Make your own jokes if you wish. Um, that third goal, it just shows the, the brilliance of, of, of people like KDB, um, people like uh, Phil Fordham. And they were kind of playing, I think, quite regularly between the, the lines for Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool, obviously, the, the back four and the midfield three. And Foden and uh, KDB time and time again seem to uh, pop up uh, in between the lines where you'd normally find David Silva. Uh, and that was a, another beautiful, uh, well-taken goal. Uh, uh, got the ball, laid it off to KDB. I think Andy Robertson sold himself. Um, he had a really, really bad night and you know showed how, what a, 
actually he's not a great defender. He's, he might be all right going forwards, but as a defender, he's not so hot. Uh, and, and KDB just put it round the uh, one two around the corner to Foden, and Foden um, strode into the box. Uh, Alisson, supposedly the best goalkeeper in the world, uh, as Liverpool fans keep ramming down my throat, uh, went to ground and, and Foden just calmly, uh, um, you know, slipped the ball over his body with his right foot, with his wrong foot, uh, into the goal. It was a, a fabulous goal, and um, uh, I'm sure just about every City fan uh, was out of their seat, um, jumping up and down because I mean that probably sealed the game for us. Phil Foden scores; it was a great goal. Uh, you know, what more could you want? Absolutely. And uh, yeah, best goalkeeper in the world, best left back in the world, uh, done up like a kipper by the old one too there. It was fantastic to see. Um, pretty much not much time um, for anything else uh, to happen. Half time came and went. Uh, Gomez was subbed for Oxlade Chamberlain uh, just one minute after the restart. But then Emily, something very interesting, I thought, in the 56th minute, Kyle Walker penalty incident everyone was uh shouting for it particularly for the red half for a supposed elbow i've watched that over and over again he hardly touched the man surely <laughs> they'll shout for anything won't they they were that <laughs> they were that point of desperation never a penalty never a penalty in a million years but i just want to just say on sterling if i can if you don't mind um i was so happy to see sterling play like that and for me um I, I've always thought against Liverpool, it's all always been in his head. It's always been a psychological thing for him um, against the crowd, um, constantly booed by Liverpool fans. And I really do think that it was a great example of how he can play. Unfortunately, we weren't allowed to be there, but it was really to his benefit that there was no crowd because he could just play the way he plays the football that he loves to play, free from the shackles and the constant ringing boos in his ear. In his ear. And he proved that he can do it. And it has always been psychological in the Liverpool games for him. So I just wanted to say hats off to him because his display really, really rammed it down their throats that he can play football against Liverpool and it was it was just such a, a wonderful display of football from Sterling so just wanted to get that in there but yeah it was never a penalty in a million years it was <sighs> desperate times and desperate measures from Liverpool but what else is new absolutely and on the 66th minute Ray he almost had another one but they've given it to Oxlade Chamberlain as an own goal um, they judged that to have been going out of play. Would you agree with that? Uh, the, the... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It w- I mean, still, I think Sterling walks away with an assist instead, does he? Um, <laughs> that, which which helps is actually stats. He hasn't had many assists this season, if I in the league, if I remember correctly. Um, and but he's got plenty of goals. Um, it's it's another one. I mean, let's be honest. He should have hit it on target. That's the minimum he should have done. Who's to know if he did it on target? Would uh, would the Ox have got a, a better uh, clearance away? I, I, no one knows. Um, and I think Raheem said afterwards, uh, you know, he will be writing to, um, I think in a, obviously in a joking way, writing to the Premier League to claim that goal. Maybe he needs to do a Harry Kane to claim, uh, you know, somehow claim that goal because obviously if Harry Kane had uh, had that shot, it would have been a goal. And, uh, uh, you know, Harry would have written to the uh, Premier League and they'd have given it as a goal to Harry Kane. So, but I hope he, I hope he give him uh, as a goal because he'd have had a fabulous uh, goal scoring season. But regardless, I mean, four uh, nil. I mean, we, we were dancing in. Well, we, we, there were no aisles to dance in. If we, if there were, if we were allowed at games, we'd be dancing in the aisles. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see next season uh, when we play Liverpool if City uh, ban the whole crowd just to make Raheem Sterling perform. Yeah, at this point, uh, guys, that that 
goal uh, was formed by uh, Rodri through to KDB through to Sterling, and by this point, uh, Robertson was was his head was spinning. I mean, he should have went off with um, Gomez, I thought. But um, a lot of compliments for Rodri, Colin Savage. Um, they were uh, quite effusive. A lot of the journalists in their praise of him pinging the ball around. What did you think? Yeah, I thought um, both Rodri and uh, Gundogan had um, had really good games. I mean, we were a bit shaky for what I heard that first kind of 10, 15 minutes and Salah hit the post. But everything I saw, they, they, were, they were excellent. I mean, Gundogan rarely gives the ball away. There was one absolute peach of a pass to um, Kevin De Bruyne when the Liverpool defence were rushing out. Um, and again, that, that, that pass for Rodri for the, the, for the fourth goal was excellent. I know... Again, there's lots of City fans who uh, kind of don't like Rodri and or Gundogan, but I thought they both did uh, really well on um, Thursday night. I think I think it was the right combination for that game. You know, two players who can sit but can 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 use the ball well and intelligently and can turn defence into attack when necessary. Because I mean, Liverpool played what we expect the way we expect Liverpool to play. They put a press on high every time we had the ball. But Roger and Gundogan were getting out of that every time. Even Laporte was, you know, was beating the press. And, and we looked so competent at the back. But, but Should... I think that, 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 that midfield combination was the one that won it for us. It was. I, I would say you're right there. Otamendi and Bernardo um, came on for Laporte and Sterling on 79. And uh, then, Emily, we should have had a fifth, really, shouldn't we? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, are we talking about the the ridiculous handball rule? Is that that's what we're the, talking about that, now? That's, that's what we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's ludicrous. Uh, it's it's just completely absurd, and it's so frustrating as well. We saw it in the the game before that with um with the, in the Spurs game, and it is just ridiculous. In that position, there's not a great deal that he can do. It's not in any way, shape, or form on purpose, is it? You know, common sense does have to prevail at some point, and I really do hope that they do look at look at that rule. I've heard that they are; um, it's a nonsensical thing, and I hope that they get rid of it because, yeah, he he was robbed of a goal, and it's just it does seem quite unfair. You know, it, there's not a lot that he could do in that position, and it is frustrating. But you know, if it takes a goal away for for Liverpool and they're a little bit they sleep better at night then fair play for them but yeah we were definitely robbed of a fifth with, without a doubt okay next question for ray ray i'm going to give you this question in the form of a an old a level question um in this match <laughs> uh, benjamin mendy discuss <laughs> i knew there was a discuss at the end um i think he had a decent game overall um he made an error early on uh, I, I do notice Ben Mendy's errors because I want him. I want him to be the player that we got from Monaco. Now he's been here three seasons. Uh, two of them obviously curtailed uh, quite early on by injury, and this season's obviously been a stop start. And he's not been fit enough uh, for me. Uh, he's not been fit enough to play two games in three or four days, which is uh, which is definitely a concern because then you you know you need another top left back. Uh, if Ben Mendy can become a top left back, you need another one to cover for Ben Mendy when he's not fit. Uh, but it looks like after the lockdown, it looks like uh, the, uh, during this restart, he can play uh, every three or four days. Uh, maybe not every game, but it looks like he's he's probably just fitter and more confident with his body. Um, but what he ha he'll have to do, he's, he'll have to cut out 
those mistakes because you can't keep making a mistake, a, a glaring error per game. Because if, if you're doing that, then what's the difference between Ben Mendy and Fabian Delph or Zinchenko? Because they made errors at left back and they weren't left back. So uh, I think he, you know, he, he, we just want to see him keep a, a, on improving as a defender and not making those mistakes, not being kind of out of position and just get a, a little bit better with his passes, uh, like he used to be. I think in the in, in the few games we've seen this season, he's, he has given the ball away a few times. Some of his crosses uh, have been uh, woefully overhit uh, or shanked. I mean, sometimes you can you can you know you can excuse it because you can't you know no one's going to be a hundred percent of the game all the time. Um, but I just think he needs to tighten up a little bit, as I said, uh, uh, with his defensive work and some of his passing and his crossing. But you know, I, I've got my fingers crossed for him. I just want him to keep on improving for the re- remainder of the season and get back to being where he was three years ago, you know, one of the best um, attacking left-backs in world football. Uh, Colin Savage, we've pretty much mentioned everyone in the starting lineup except two people. So I'm going to uh, ask you about uh, one. I'll ask Emily about the other. The first one that we haven't really mentioned is uh, Kyle Walker. How did you feel about his performance? Um, I felt he was very solid. I mean, he seemed to be... Um playing more defensively than, than he might normally have done with, with Mendy in the side, who we need, we do know can go forward. But, um, yeah, it looked, Kyle Walker looked solid. Um, I, I didn't see him get forward as much as Mendy, but, you know, we, we've got that, we, we've almost got that pattern now, haven't we, where one fullback goes forward and the other one kind of pulls into a back three. Uh, and I think Walker was the one mainly pulling into the back three because obviously we know Liverpool's front three can be fairly deadly if you give them the space. So um, and Pep always seems to adapt his tactics, doesn't he, to Liverpool? Sometimes he overthinks it, but I think he, he obviously got it spot on. But yeah, Walker for me, nothing, no problems on um, Thursday night. It's interesting, isn't it, Colin? That um, uh, City fans, uh, certainly the, the 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 harsher City fans are calling out for various members of the back line to be replaced and offering their suggestions as who should come in to replace them. But you don't really get that much talk about Walker. He's pretty solid, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he he, he did have a, a rocky spell, um, what, a couple of seasons ago where he was making mistake after mistake after mistake and some pretty bad ones. Um, I mean, he even made one in Madrid, didn't he, when um, uh, when we let Real Madrid score before coming back to win the game. But yes, I mean... He's, he's a, you, you could almost say he's a little bit like Otamendi. I mean, 90, 99% of the time, he'll be really solid, uh, except uh, compared to Otamendi, he does offer something going forward. And then 1% of the time, he'll his concentration will drop. But he has got better from, from the days where his concentration was seem, seemed to be dropping a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. OK, the only other one, I think, from the starting 11, we haven't talked about Emily, is Laporte. And um, uh, at times, he looked like... A uh, real Rolls Royce of a player. The odd little mistake here and there, but um, it's so good to have him back. Yeah, I was going to use that term as well, Mike Rolls Royce of a player. Um, imagine the season that we could have had if we would have had him throughout. You know, you kind of, yeah, you, you kind of think that would the gap be there? Would it be different? But we can't really think like that ultimately. I agree with Colin as well with what he said that 
ultimately as well, we didn't really play, you know, our best game, but I don't think we needed to because Liverpool were really below par and they can't use that drink excuse because they do have Muslim players who don't drink. So I'm not having any yeah. bit of being hungover mm. whatsoever. I don't have that. They're always looking for an excuse. They always hide behind an excuse. And sometimes you do have to come out and say, you know, you were beaten hands down tactically and, and succinctly across the park by a really well-organised, well-drilled and really exciting-looking City side. But we we didn't need to be on our A game. It was comfortable. And at times, it did look a bit like a training exercise uh, mm. for me, which was brilliant. But Laporte was absolutely wonderful. Um, and he's consistent, isn't he? He's just consistent. And that's what you need in your back line. You need that consistency. You need that solidity. And he is just a fantastic acquisition, isn't he? He is. And um, I'm just going to go over to Ray, because if reports are to be believed, and if you invest a lot of trust in the uh, research of Sam Lee from The Athletic, it looks like City have agreed personal terms with Koulibaly. Does your mouth water at the prospect of Koulibaly and Laporte in the middle of City's defence? I think I think they'll do all right next season if we get Koulibaly and Laporte as our defenders for the full season. Uh, I think we'll do all right. I, like I mean, said, you know, we'll do all right. Is that we'll the best? Right. <laughs> we'll do all right. You know, we've got to undersell it a little bit. You know, we've got to keep something, keep some excitement for next season. Sorry, if we're not going to start. Could, Mike, you go, could you go and bring the real Ray on, please? Mike, if, if we're not going to start again till the middle of September, I've got, I can't <laughs> salivate for three months. I can't salivate over Koulibaly for three months, you know. Oh. Um, uh, but, but no, look, look, it would be an exciting acquisition. Uh, I, I, I think uh, potentially perfect acquisition. You know, someone who's going to take no nonsense um, and uh, another world-class defender, uh, Eric Garcia, I think, is now we can see he's pushed his way ahead of Stones and Otamendi. I think one or two of them, uh, their days are numbered. Uh, you know, if, if we do get Koulibaly, you've got Koulibaly and Laporta's first choice, Garcia next in line, uh, and Stones and uh, Otamendi, one of them, or if not both, are going to be nowhere. Um, but it, it's got to be exciting, you know. And, and also, if we do lose, if we're unfortunate again to lose uh, uh, Laporte, you still got another hopefully quality defender in Koulibaly to um, more than make up the numbers. Uh, it'll make a difference, and and, and not have um, the wonderful Fernandinho uh, playing as a centre back, even though he's I think he's done uh, performed admirably most of the season. So and it's, it's going to be yes, really it's exciting. A double, it's a double whammy, isn't it? People have complained that Koulibaly's what twenty nine, yeah. but what, what we're looking for was to replace company's experience. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you want an older guy in there who's done it, been there, done it. Uh, you know, you can still get five years out of Koulibaly, uh, but mm -hmm. you've got that age and experience. And, of course, it releases Fernandinho potentially then to move back into midfield. And I think that's probably the one. All right, we can look at Laporte's injury, but Fernandinho not being in that midfield slot, I think, has shown how exposed our back four can be. Mm -hmm. Emily, just talking about releasing people into better positions. Um, I've been reading some interesting things about City forming an interest in uh, Lucas Dina, I think, of Everton. That would uh, potentially release Zinchenko into his normal midfield uh, role, his attacking midfield role that he plays for his country. Does that um, give you cause for some um, excitement at all? 
He's almost a bit of a forgotten player at the moment, isn't he, Zinchenko? Yeah. Because, you know, he came in and he really did a job for us. Um, although, you know, a couple of times he did struggle. He he, he did a job and he, he was an absolutely massive help when we needed it. So he, he has been a little bit forgotten. Um, I mean, it depends, doesn't it, on what we do with the, the Sane saga. Obviously, that's concluded now. But are they looking to outright replace him? Are they in the market for um, the next Sane? You know, because we'll, we're sorted on the right-hand side. It's just the left now. So I, I have no qualms whatsoever. But I do think maybe it would be a fix rather than a long-term prospect. I think it might be plugging a hole. I do think ultimately they would want to look and replace Sane. Right. Well, uh, guys, uh, listeners, I, I failed really to get Ray to bite on my whole um, Koulibaly uh, Laporte uh, <laughs> prospects for next season. But let, let me try again. Well, actually, let me throw it over to um, a, a listener question to see if I can get Ray to bite. And I think this is pretty, <laughs> this is pretty sure fire bait. Here comes the question, Ray. Did it surprise you after the game that Liverpool's slogan, this means more, suddenly became this means sod all? No, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, look, they're, a, they're an excuse-making, whinging, um, shithousery... I've got him, I've got him, guys. Here he goes. Uh, no, no, they are. Because, look, 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 look. You know, I mean, we've had, the, we have, we, we've had the Anfield crap, sorry, the Anfield rap, complaining about... Um, the the grass being too long and and pseudo journalist Melissa Reddy uh, nodding like a nodding dog in agreement. I, I saw that interview. It was absolutely pathetic. A, pro, a professional journalist um, shouldn't, in my opinion, behave like that. She should uh, pull the, you know call them out for it. And you don't just be, be a yes person just to further your career, do you? I, I totally don't agree with that. Then it's oh, it, it was a bit windy, as Mister uh, Mister Klopp has uh, said uh, on occasion. It's a little bit too windy, and it affected our, the way we, you know, basically affects our hoofing the ball up the pitch because the wind takes it one way or the other. And and if you're playing the ball on the on the ground, who cares about the wind? Yeah. Um, and then we've had uh, other uh, complaints uh, about the rain. You know, the rain's affected our players. And, and, you know, this game against City, uh, apparently it was a lack of the crowd. There was no crowd there and that affected the Liverpool players. They're used to playing in big atmosphere as well. I'll have you know, when you come to the Etihad, that's what you get. Um, so take, they should just take their defeat, take it on the chin um, and just go slink back off to, to, to Scouse land, you know, and, and get ready for next season and, and finish the rest of this season where they won't be featuring in the FA Cup because they, they chucked that uh, competition down the toilet. They didn't win the Carabao Cup because they uh, disrespected uh, our English competition. I mean, that's a 60-year-old competition and they've disrespected it by chucking in the kids and sending off the first team to win five million quid or whatever it was in the uh, Club World Championship. And they've... Uh, well, they didn't disrespect the Champions League. They got uh, unceremoni unceremoniously dumped out of the Champions League by losing twice to Atletico Madrid. So, you know, uh, you know, for once in your uh, miserable uh, lives, be gracious in defeat. Take it on the chin. Don't whinge and don't cry. Uh, be magnanimous. Say City played uh, better than us. And that's it. Don't whinge. Don't cry. Just be gracious. Raise rants, yes. Mission accomplished, guys. Mission accomplished. Uh, <laughs> let's just um, finishing that particular uh, thread a little bit. Let's go over to Colin Savage. Um, Klopp had a right old snap at the reporter after the game from what I thought was a fairly innocu innocuous uh, question. What did you think? Klopp is not a good loser. We know that. You know, Liverpool are not good losers. We know that. And, and Klopp is almost the perfect reflection of the club. 
Um, uh, and I think he was clearly rattled on uh, Thursday night. Clearly, um, apart from that first 10, 15 minutes, his team had not laid a glove on us. And um, uh, and I say, even as we say, a city that was not really in, in kind of overdrive had taken them to the cleaners and it could have been 7-8-0. So he was quite badly rattled. And I, I believe, from what I've read, that when, when he's angry, he, he doesn't talk to the team after the game. Because he waits till the next day till he's calmed down a bit if he's angry. Um, so I mean, there's nothing nothing wrong with being a bad loser, but you know, do, do we ask too much of our managers? You know, we feed them bland questions. I, I, I listened to that interview, which I don't normally listen to post match interviews, but I wanted to listen to that one. Uh, and Jeff Shreves asked this very convoluted question, um, which kind of twisted uh, twisted the English language into something you know, quite mangled. And Klopp suddenly forgot he spoke English, of course. Um, so so I, I think there was a, yes, there was a bit of bad grace. And I think, but there's a bit of Klopp in there that he doesn't react very well to losing. And that certainly came out. But, I, you know, I can't blame him for, for being a bad loser that because that's, you know, that winning mentality, something that, you know, Mancini, Guardiola has, has instilled into our team. Uh, that's what makes team, teams winners. Um, and he felt it. He obviously felt it very personally. Um, they, they'd been a bit. Their first game as champions, they were humiliated. And um, but yeah, so, so there's a bit of a lack of grace, um, but a bit of you know uh, being angry at his team uh, and whatever he said about they, they played well. Uh, no, we all could see they didn't. Their, their attitude was wrong. They were on the back foot, um, and even being a seven and a half out of ten, we completely outplayed them. So yeah, it, it, but it. He doesn't. He doesn't come over in a very good light, does he? When he reacts like that, and uh, uh, you know, when they should have been celebrating the title, everyone's laughing at them and him. So that that's his problem, not ours. You know what? I'd appreciate. Oh, so, sorry. Um, I'd appreciate just honesty because I don't like hiding behind excuses. My ethos going through life is just be honest. And there's always seems to be an excuse. Like Ray has just gone through all the excuses that Klopp has used. In, in games, you know, the wind, the rain, the grass, you've got to be able to take it as a grown adult and come out and hold your hands up. And when you've been well beaten, just just say it because it will endear you to people a lot more than hiding and ghosting behind excuses. I just don't understand it because they already have this reputation of being so disliked. It doesn't help the cause when they hide behind excuses. The atmosphere thing, the no crowd comment. Well, there was an absolutely electric atmosphere with that game last season where we beat them 2-1. The atmosphere inside the ground that night was like nothing I'd felt since that Hamburg game. It was phenomenal and we beat them. So where was his excuse about the atmosphere that night? Just come out and be honest and, and take it on the chin and you'll gain a little and garner a little bit more respect from people if you behave like that instead of behaving like a petulant child pointing fingers and hiding behind excuses. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I like about Steve Bruce as a manager. He will come out and be honest. He may not be the greatest manager in the world, but credit to him. You know, he's always honest. Exactly, exactly, guys. Well, um, let's go on to something more positive. And uh, I was quite, um, just to finish off, it, it, it was quite an um, interesting uh, situation for Liverpool fans at the minute, because I, I guess in a weird way, having sacked off all the other competitions, um, even though they've um, 
they've won this title. I, I, I sensed when I was looking at a few comments by Liverpool fans on Twitter, there was a little bit of a sense of envy, Ray, because their season is done, but yep. um, City still have an FA Cup site semi-final against Arsenal to look forward to, and then a Champions League a second leg against uh, Madrid. So um, it's not really good for supporters to sack off all of these uh, competitions and, and have it end like this, is it? Absolutely. And, and at the time, the, the, a lot of the fan base said it doesn't matter. We're in for the big ones. We're only interested in the big trophies. Um, you know, and I, as I said, that's disrespectful to the to the um, heritage of English football. You know, FA Cups, well, you know, Colin will correct me, but uh, because he was probably there, but it's well over 100 years old by now. <laughs> the League Cup, as I said, 60 years old. Um, so these are long-standing competitions within English football, uh, and and to sack them off to go off for this Club World Cup, I understand why they did it. It's, it's about their brand. Carabao Cup gives you no brand in world football. Club World uh, uh, Cup gets you a few more fans here and there, sells you a lot more merchandise, and I can see why. Obviously, they did it for money because Liverpool uh, are a club who were formed simply. To make money, any Liverpool fan or any City fan, anybody wants to go and check the history. Liverpool were a club uh, formed simply to make money uh, by a greedy owner who tried to put the rent up on the, the ground. So, uh, I mean, we've got to put it into into perspective of where they've come from. So, despite all their illustrious history, that was how they were born, uh, <laughs> and nothing's changed in all these years. Um, so they sacked these competitions off, and now they sat there. All they've got, I mean, it, it's something. It's still something. All they've got is to hope for for this season is to break that 100 points barrier and as uh, Kevin Keegan infamously said it I'd love it I'd absolutely love it if they got 99 points because the <laughs> ragging they would get they would never live it down because don't get me wrong this this Liverpool side has been a machine you know whatever they've been however they've changed their diet in the last two years um, you know they've become a machine with extra levels stupendous levels of stamina I mean they may have been Use, I, I must have been using the uh, yeah, English. You might have to take this out. Uh, but they, I think they must have been uh, having some links with the English cycling doctor uh, and his jiffy bag because they've come on in leaps and bounds. We would see two or three years, two seasons ago, Liverpool would come out there, uh, bleach, try and bleatskrieg uh, the opposition. Um, and get a goal or two or even three ahead of by half time and then course the second half. But if they weren't ahead by half time, they were they were pooped. They had no, nothing left and they would just hang on uh, during the second period. And now they just seem to be able to keep going and going and going. So sack off these competitions, have nothing much to play for. We'll enjoy uh, our semi-final at Arsenal in the FA Cup and a mouth-watering second leg tie against Real Madrid and hopefully continuation in those two competitions. That's how you do it. That's how you give respect to all the competitions that you're entered into. When I when I bait Ray, guys, um, it's uh, very, very hard to put the lid back on that box, isn't it? But um, let's go over to uh, uh, the, 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 the sound of, of reason here, the voice of reason, Mr. Savage, and calm everything down a little bit. Um, <laughs> Uh, Colin, um, what is your understanding about this second leg uh, in the Champions League? Because it's supposed to be our home leg, but there's been talk of it being played in Portugal. What do you know about that? Well, we don't know, do we? Um, the talk of being played in Portugal was, I thought, due to quarantine restrictions. But they will will have been lifted, it looks like, when the second leg is due to be played. So there really is no reason why it can't be played at the Etihad. 
Uh, one of the questions I was asked, I was going to bring up anyway, was um, my, my colleague on City Matters, Adam Perdue, had uh, asked me, what do we think will happen if the game is played in Lisbon? What do we think will happen to the away goals rule? And, and, and to my mind, um, it, it, you know, it, it stays as it is. I mean, it's it, it's an away game for, for Real Madrid, but obviously we'd like the game at the Etihad, wouldn't we? And th there doesn't seem to be any reason, apart from the fact that, um, you know, uh, UEFA are, um, are setting up Lisbon as this safe, secure environment. But games have been played at the, you know, Premier League's games have been played at the Etihad, and, and we've got the routine off now um, to to a fine art, I assume. So, um, you know, it should be played at the Etihad. It's our advantage, and um, it should be played there. Well, and then obviously they're going to move on to um, single uh, leg knockouts for the um, quarters and semi-finals. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but yeah. Well, I'm still hopeful to be played at the Etihad. Well, let's hope it can all be uh, resolved amicably. Uh, there's so much more we could talk about, guys, but I think at this point we're going to have to wrap it up, uh, be nice and econ economical. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it, uh, guys. We'll be back with you uh, very, very soon. But before we go, it's only right that we thank our fantastic contributors. First of all, you have been listening to the amazing Emily. Thank you so much for coming on, Emily. No, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. It's been brilliant. <laughs> okay, and also <laughs> thank you so much to Ray. Ray, oh, you've, oh. Been, you've outdone yourself, mate. Oh, it's always a pleasure to come on. And, and Mike, uh, I've got to thank you for bringing, uh, inviting Emily on because it's, uh, uh, it's about time we had a true professional uh, on the panel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, um, my, myself and Colin will get together and we'll talk about the implications of that statement, uh, Ray. But anyway, let's uh, also uh, bid farewell and say thank you very much to Colin Savage. It's a pleasure, as always. Glad to be back in the uh, in the hot seat. Absolutely. Well, guys, that's all from us. So until next time, as we always say, have one on us and up the blues. It's finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That really goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! Oh!